0: Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Outside the Screen, a podcast all about screens in the lives of children and families. I'm law professor and child rights advocate, Liz Hansley.
1: And and I'm child psychiatrist and stand-up comedian, Dr. Kim Lee. We're bringing you the podcast because we know how hard it is to raise children in a media-saturated world and we want to help. What have we got lined up for this episode, Liz?
0: Today on the show, you're going to hear a review of the one and only Ivan, and we'll be shooting the breeze about the Advertising Code of Ethics. But first up, we've got...
1: Paper Round, our regular segment where we look to demystify current scientific research to better inform your family's decisions on how to engage with screens. Today, we're discussing a Spanish study about the personality factors that could make some children more likely to have problems with their game use And I'll give some tips about how you can help your child develop the kind of social skills that could protect them. So stay tuned.
0: As Kim said, today in Paper Round, we're looking at some research out of Spain about children's game use and the kind of personality characteristics that might uh, be risk factors for problematic game use. Kim, why did they do this research?
1: They did this research because there's so many different factors that could be contributing to a child's addictive video gaming, and there's three broad theories that they tested.
0: Yeah, I think I've heard of the first one of those. That's the comorbidity hypothesis, isn't it? The one that says that a child's more likely to develop gaming disorder if the child has some kind of other mental disorder like depression or anxiety. And what's the second one again?
1: The second theory is uh, your child's ability to self-regulate their emotions, whether they're impulsive or hostile, and how they react to certain situations, and are they more likely to escape into the video game world? And the last theory is the theory about your child's social skills and their ability to say no in certain situations, their assertiveness, and uh, social interactions and relationships and family dynamics.
0: Right. What did they find once they looked at all that stuff?
1: Well, they found that for girls, uh, their time spent playing during the week and on the weekend, higher anxiety and lower family functioning was related to more addictive video game playing. And that for boys, the association was between higher anxiety, increased hostility, social skill deficits, and time spent gaming on the weekend were more problematic. So, you know, if a boy is... Um, binging on the weekend, you know, 10, 12 hours straight on a Saturday or a Sunday, they're more likely to have addictive bi- video game playing.
0: Okay. was there anything surprising about the finding or how did it fit with well, what we yeah, already know?
1: Yeah, that's a really uh, cool question because in this study, they, they asked all the usual questions. They interviewed like a thousand kids in the Canary Islands and they, they asked them questions like, you know, uh, do you get withdrawals when you stop playing? Do you need to play more to get the same effect? Do you lie and cheat? or aggressive, you know, that sort of um, question. Yes, I lie and cheat. Yeah, um, about the video game playing. Uh, But they also gave them a whole bunch of other surveys and checklists. And one of the uh, checklists was about their social interaction. So they asked the child, you know, if you go to the shops, if you go and buy a litre of milk and you give them an X amount of dollars and you're meant to get this amount of change, if you got the wrong amount of change, would you uh, confront the shopkeeper about it? Um, would you go up to someone in your class who is of the opposite gender and talk to them? Or if uh, someone asks you something um, in your class and you wanna say no, are you gonna say no? Or are you gonna go along with it? So those social skills are really important for a young child and I see this all the time with kids who are addicted to video games, that they find it hard to say no to their teammates, to their friends. And they're chatting away, they want to leave, they've got to do their homework, they've got to go to sleep, they've got to eat their dinner, but their teammates say, come on, just one more game, and they give in and they keep playing.
0: So it sounds like it really gelled well with what you already knew. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Did you have any reservations about what they found? Was there anything that didn't gel?
1: Oh, I guess, you know... It's really easy to read these articles and uh, to go and say, oh, all video games are bad, but obviously so many people um, get enjoyment. They enjoy playing video games and not all video games are equal. You know, Some video games are much more educational. They're much more pro-social. They're not as addictive as other video games and designed in a certain way that is uh, more healthy. Um, So it's easy to uh, read this article and say all video games are bad i think the important thing to consider with something like this is you know what is the context that your child is playing is your child playing alone in their bedroom in the middle of the night at 3am or are they at the local community center playing with kids after school um, with kids next to them having to share controllers having to work as a team having to talk face to face you know i think context and environment is really helpful and i think You know, playing in a community center where there is a closing time where mum and dad have to pick you up and take you to go home and eat dinner is probably more ideal than uh, letting your child have free reign on the internet and not supervising and letting them play. Um, and not do homework.
0: Yeah, I understand a lot of games are actually designed so that there's no stopping point and there's no pause button. You can't sort of say, oh, I've reached this level now. I'll just go off and have dinner and come back (laughs) and I'm at the same level. And that's a real trap for kids and parents, isn't it? definitely. Well... Coming back to that finding about social skills, Mm. is there anything that a parent can do to help build up a child's social skills in order that they've got better protection against these kind of undesirable effects?
1: Yeah, great question, Liz. I think, you know, for me, uh, face-to-face interaction is so important to me and I get so much more enjoyment out of an experience if I'm face-to-face with someone. Um, I think, you know, for a kid, you can take them to the farmer's markets. I love farmer's markets where you get to have that interaction with the person who is not only growing often the produce but they're cooking the produce they're selling you the produce and uh, i think there are these real rich opportunities when you take your child to a place like that you know they might say i want that mom i want that dad Uh, and you say well here's some money if you really want that orange juice why don't you go up there and ask them for an orange juice and get the money back count the money make that an, an, an exercise in handling cash and understanding the value of cash, but also understanding the value of interacting with people face to face. And often you might be um, in a situation where you have to say something bad or you know confrontational, but normalize it as part of everyday life.
0: And it is part of everyday life, isn't oh, it? I think yeah. that's something that all of us could remember more because we... We try so hard not to offend people, not to upset people, Mm. and obviously that's a good social skill too, Mm. but you need to be willing to assert yourself and to remember people won't necessarily be upset or offended if you just say, you know, no, you didn't give me enough change or something like that. You know, they'll be glad often that you told them. You know, people want that feedback so they know they're doing the right thing. And how young could a kid be learning that sort of stuff, do you think? What what age would you want to start it at?
1: Yeah, I think uh, early primary school years, you know, from six, seven, eight, You know, they're already learning how to count and you want to give them real life situations where they can apply their skills that they're learning in class. I'm not saying you should throw your uh, kid in the deep end and uh, go and buy a whole trolley full of groceries. (laughs) I'm saying start small, um, have them next to you, role model a few occasions about uh, talking. Like for me, going to uh, flea markets with my parents, um, watching my barter because being uh, from a Vietnamese family, Often you're buying things from a shop that doesn't have any prices, so you have to ask and talk to people and ask them how much something is, what's the going price, and if the price is too high, you got to start bargaining and bartering uh, the price back down to something that is actually um, fair.
0: Yeah, well, maybe there's a startup opportunity out there for anybody else from your community who wants to sort of teach young kids how to barter, <laughs> v- Vietnamese style. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there were a couple of pretty interesting tips from Kim about steps you can take to help your child avoid some of the pitfalls of gaming. The paper was by Ascension Fumero and colleagues. The title is The Risk Factors of Internet Gaming Disorder Symptoms in Spanish Adolescents and it was published in Volume 111 of the journal Computers in Human Behaviour. Full details in the show notes.
1: Now it's time for our movie review and Daniela is going to take us through a recent Disney release – about a very special gorilla gorilla that can draw a gorilla
0: who draws ah! now
1: that's something Dad. oh boy Daddy told you i even can draw look <laughs> the press is gonna eat this up no. a gorilla who can actually draw now that's that's like nah. ah. that's a game changer game changer
2: This is Daniela with a new movie review for you. And today is about a brand new release on Disney Plus based on a true story and adapted from Catherine Applegate's award-winning book of the same title. The one and only Ivan. Yes, this film tells the true story of silverback gorilla Ivan, who grew up in the wild in the Congo until poachers attacked his troop and he, still a little baby, was brought to the United States. He was adopted by Mac, who raised him very much like a human child. Later, Mac established a small circus inside a shopping mall, where Ivan was the headlining act for 27 years. And this, the circus, is where the majority of the film is set. The viewer joins at a time when after many successful years, audience numbers are dwindling and Mac is in desperate need to generate new interest he recruits baby elephant, Ruby. And for a little while, things are looking up. But not long after, senior elephant, Stella, who by the way is voiced by Angelina Jolie, who is also the producer of the film. Um, so senior elephant Stella um, is tired. And yeah, tired after many years of being a circus elephant and she knows it's her time to go. And just before she dies, uh, she tells her best friend, Ivan, that she's never been happy, um, living the life of a circus elephant. And she says that she really wants a different life for little Ruby. So she makes Ivan promise that he will look after Ruby and make sure that she will be free one day. A prison break does not last very long and soon after escaping Ivan and his fellow performers are back in their cages. But now, Ivan is more desperate and determined than ever to reconnect with his wild roots and to keep his promise to Stella and to make sure that Ruby can grow up in freedom. And he decides to use his newly picked up skill, drawing, to send a clear message. Now, is this film any good? Yes, it is on many different levels. The audience gets a really intimate, inspiring and endearing insight into the animals' minds. And compared to the book, the film has reduced the portrayal of physical cruelty against animals, but the viewer still gets a good sense of how the animals suffer, living in captivity and restricted to a small cage and stage. And even though disrupted by cheerful stray dog Bob's funny comments and actions, and by the way, Danny DeVito gives him his voice, Um, the film has a rather sad and thought-provoking undertone and there are a lot of sad and emotionally distressing and very charged up scenes and themes for example the death of a parent the death of a friend and very very emotional goodbyes and this uh, might upset young and sensitive viewers and unlike many modern films, the one and only Ivan also takes its time in storytelling and young or impatient viewers might find the slower pace a bit challenging. Nevertheless, or maybe exactly because of these aspects, the one and only Ivan is a great pick for families who are looking for an inspiring film that contains many important messages and positive role models and raises questions about animal rights and welfare. Spoiler alert! Responding to animal rights campaigners, um, the real Ivan was actually released to Zoo Atlanta where he had plenty of space to roam and roar. We rate this movie unsuitable for an audience under five and recommend parental guidance for viewers under eight. You can watch the one and only Ivan on Disney Plus. And for more reviews, visit the children and the media website.
0: And when Daniela talks about the Children in the Media website, that's childrenandmedia.org.au or Children and Media Australia. You can find the reviews by clicking on the Movie Reviews tab. Then you can sort the list or search by title alphabetically, by age suitability, by classification or by date added. All of the reviews are prepared by people with training in child development, and they cover every G and PG title released in Australian cinemas since 2002, as well as selected M-rated movies and some that are available on streaming services. There are also reviews of game-style apps and apps that may appeal to young children. Again, it's www.childrenandmedia.org.au. You might also like to join the CMA Facebook community. That's facebook.com forward slash Australian Council on Children and the Media. All one word. More details later on how to keep in touch and give feedback.
1: Now it's time to have a chat about our policy development of the day. Liz is going to take us through the 2020 review of the Australian Association of National Advertisers Code of Ethics and give some tips on how to use it. What is the AANA Code of Ethics and why was it being reviewed?
0: Well, the Code of Ethics is a self-regulatory code that has been developed by an industry body. There's the Code of Ethics that has certain rules written out in it, and then there's also practice notes, yep. which give more detailed guidance on how the rules will be applied. This code isn't enforceable in any way, which is a really important thing to remember about it. Um, there aren't any fines or penalties available for breaches, it's all completely voluntary. And it's also completely reliant on members of the public to make complaints about breaches. There's mm-hmm. nobody whose job it is to go out and detect breaches, there's no like police force or anything. Yeah. Uh, there's no ongoing monitoring, so it's up to people like you and me and our listeners to notice something's wrong and uh, go and check the code and see if it's worth uh, complaining. Right. This review happened for no particular reason. It's routine. They just do it every few years or so and they have a procedure. They call for submissions and so on. And the Uh organization that I'm president of wrote a submission to the review and um, they maybe took it into account, maybe not
1: yeah so what did the ACCM say in its submission to the review
0: we had two main points one of which was quite general and one was fairly specific one was about how the nature of the audience gets factored into decisions like whether they look at how many children are likely to be in the audience Um, I mean we think about children because that's the kind of organization we are um, but there might be other subgroups who might be more numerous in some audiences than in others and should that be taken into account when you're looking at whether advertising is appropriate or not that's the the big, broad question, the other one that we were really concerned about was what happens with scary stuff, because particularly when scary movies are being advertised, uh-huh. there can be very, very scary images associated with right. them that are you know in very large format in public places like on yeah. the backs of buses and so on. Uh-huh. Um, so we we wanted to encourage them to put something in the code to address that kind of advertising.. Uh-huh.
1: So what problem did ACCM see with the scary content?
0: Well, it wasn't just us. It was a pretty strong community sentiment that was reflected in complaints about promotions for scary movies, like I said before. And we know from research that exposure to scary images can be really distressing for children and quite a serious matter. It can make them afraid to go to sleep on their own, lead to bedwetting, loss yeah. of sleep and that kind of stuff. I mean, you must see that kind of stuff sometimes. I
1: saw one today, actually. Yeah. Couldn't go to sleep by themselves. They had been exposed to a VR game or clips of it on YouTube and they found it very distressing. Yeah. yeah. And they're afraid of the dark. Yeah. Yep.
0: And and they need to come and see a psychiatrist, you mm. know? And it's, it's Yeah. Just, and I said, well, this mm.
1: difficulty with scary content, we have to monitor that and make sure that they don't have access mm. to that. And also um, giving them psychological support.
0: Hmm. Right. Well, anyway, none of this is directly addressed in the code. They talk about violence in the code and a uh-huh. lot of scary stuff is violent, obviously, yeah. but not all scary stuff is violent. You can be quite scary without being violent. Like, yep. There was one campaign in recent memory that involved a lot of images of a very scary looking clown uh-huh. that yeah. really terrified a lot of children. Yeah. We know that. We heard from their parents. Yep. There's no violence in that. But yep. It's still scary. You yeah. know, th- there was another campaign for a movie that involved an incredibly scary-looking doll, if you remember that yeah, one. Yeah, 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 I
1: used to be scared of that one. <laughs> oh, no, the original one. This is yeah. the girl. This is the female doll. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But, you know, they're, they're really, really terrifying. There's nothing mm. particularly violent Creepy. about them. You just have to look at them, and you know, and a child will be terrified.
1: Yeah. And did the AANA adopt those recommendations? Well,
0: not really. They didn't change the wording of the violence section. They changed very little wording, in fact. And when it comes to violence, they kept the part of the rule that says violence is okay if it's, quote, justified in the context of the product being advertised, Uh which logically means that it's okay to show violence in the ad if the ad's for a violent movie or a violent video game. Mm. And that's not really going to take us very far when it comes to protecting Mm. kids from the sort of thing that we were just talking about. Anyway, they did add some references to the concept of menace. This was in the practice note, which I mentioned before. These are the separate notes that you can use to help you interpret it. But even using menace still keeps the focus on things like whether violence appears to have just occurred or be just about to occur which is all good, you know, that all helps. But there, as I say, there are some things that are just scary without there being any suggestion of violence about to occur or anything.
1: And does ACCM have any other concerns about the Code of Ethics?
0: Well, coming back to the fact that it's down to ordinary people out there in yeah. TV land or internet land or wherever to notice what's wrong and then take the trouble to complain and then you know you want to make it fairly clear that there's been a breach because otherwise you know why would a person out there a consumer take the trouble to complain if the rules aren't really clear but they make you jump through a few hoops to figure that out uh-huh. there's so much that's buried in the practice notes which not everybody would have the time or the energy to look up which is unfortunate and something that requires members of the public to make complaints should be as user friendly as possible and we don't think this is and we'd really like to see a lot more attention to problems like gaming, collection of personal data via online marketing all those modern problems that it still really hasn't picked up so there's a few gaps still to be considered and um i really hope that people will keep an eye on that certainly take the trouble to complain if there's something that you're not happy with and you know my advice actually would be don't worry too much about the code just say what you don't like about it Mm. um well look at the code if you want to but If you can't be bothered, still write in. There's a form online that you can use and, and mm. it, it doesn't take long to do that and you just register that you're not happy with that kind of advertising, yeah. even if it's not upheld as a complaint. You've still got that expression of your view yep. as a member of the community, which you know they're going to have to take into account sooner or later if yep. enough people are doing it. So it's still worth writing in, Definitely. even if you're not completely sure. Yeah, so that's about it. And um, we'll be reporting back on how all of that's going in due course. Thanks, Liz. Thank you, Kim.
1: Well, that's about all we have time for today.
0: Yes, on our first ever episode. We'd really love to have your feedback, so please get in touch either through our Facebook page or you can email us at
1: outsidethescreenpod at gmail.com.
0: Or if you really like us, you can help by becoming a subscriber on Substack. Details are in the show notes along with a range of further info about the things we've been discussing.
1: You can rate and review us on your listening platform to make it easier for others to find us. You can also catch up on all things gaming addiction related on my website cgiclinic.com or even book a consultation for me to see your child. And And this this has has been been The Team team from Outside outside the screen. Screen.
0: See you next week.